think that when you die, you go to heaven, you come to us. We are the ones who practice necromancy. I am your host, Travis Maxwell Boone, here tonight with my wife, Angel Boone, and your boy, Kaboy, <laughs> Ricky Prejean. Tonight we'll begin with a resurrection. The nightclub coven will perform a seance to commune with the spirits and contact the ghost of Angus Scrim. Oh, boy. Yep, that's it, man. What a treat. I'm going to uh, light the black candle to dispel any negative energies. We have some incense burning to boost our psychic powers. I've also got a photo of Angus Scrim pulled up to guide his soul back to us. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm using this mystical Pennywise pendulum. <laughs> <laughs> to speak to the dead. <laughs> now, let us begin. during the seance <laughs> alright <laughs> Angus Angus Scrim we call you from the world of the living return to us O oh, tall man breeder of the undead master of the dwarves and silver spheres of death hear us in return return to answer questions on our podcast <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Just just don't, like, basically hit me on the shoulder and say, the, what is it, the funeral starting soon? Oh, at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. 
He's the like, he's like, the funeral's starting soon. That guy's like, okay. <laughs> Sir. Yep. Don't do that to me. Oh, what the fuck was that? Y'all hear that? Oh, Jesus. You heard that too? It smells like the incense are fucking burning. Put that shit out, man. Hold on, hold on. Jesus Christ. Okay, I think we kind of botched this. I gotta admit, I'm not really much of a medium. Okay, so towards the night after Christmas, that's when we're recording this. We just got through the holiday season. Uh, we've emerged from the woods, lost in our madness under the stars, and uh, we've, we've come out the other side into this mirror, surreal, dreamlike world where nothing makes sense. But if you think about it long enough, it kind of does. But it still doesn't matter. But it still doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, tonight we're going to start things off with a little bit of Ricky's Rippin' Ribs. Come on, this works for both of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to kick things off tonight with a uh, our Norwegian black metal band. This is a band that I found while you know scouring the internet for something to listen to. The name of the band is... I, I didn't look up how to say this, so everyone out there who knows, forgive me, but the name of the band is Uva, mm. and the album is Natens Madrigal from 1997, uh, which means wolves, I believe. In, in uh, Uva means wolves in, in Norwegian. Or Uva, I don't know how to say it. But this record is considered a classic of the genre, and um, there's an urban legend surrounding the album that I thought was kind of cool, that the band spent all of their recording budget on Armani suits, cocaine, and a Corvette. Oh my god. So they didn't have, any, right. they didn't have any money left, so they just took like a like an eight-track recorder out into some Norwegian forest in the middle of the night and recorded the album like that. God damn. <laughs> That's metal. That is pretty fucking metal. Um, That's as cult as it gets. <laughs> from, I would say from start to finish, this thing like blisters. Um, it, 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 what's really cool is it begins with kind of a a very brief folk instrumental interlude at, at the be in, like in the middle of the first song, but that's pretty much the only hint of folk metal you get throughout the whole album. The rest of it is straight up fucking black metal, and I can't. Like, if I wouldn't have known this was from 1997, I would have considered this part of that original wave of black metal. Not Venom, not the first wave, second right. wave, right? Right, right. Like Mayhem and shit. Yeah. Um, I would I would consider them part of that as, as a one-off listening experience and being, you know, somewhat more, um, what's the word, ingratiated in black metal. I would give this motherfucker an 8 out of 10. Nice. Like, I really like this. And... I'm not gonna lie, the the legend behind it, plus the raw fucking sound, it just kind of because that's not how they recorded. They didn't record it in the forest. That right. would have been awesome though. <laughs> um, but no, it's but it's fucking badass, man. Um, so eight cocaine lines out of ten. Eight Armani suits out of ten. <laughs> nice. I've seen this band come up here and there for uh, the last couple of years, and I finally gave them a listen. Listen. They're called Worm, um, and instead of an O, you've got a V. So, in 2020, they released Colony Collapse, <clears throat> so I'm bringing something kind of new. 
They're kind of like grindy, sludge, atmospheric grindcore from uh, South Carolina. They're just mean and energetic and urgent and primal sounding. Like, they just sound dangerous. Like, spending too much time around Bigfoot slam peas. <laughs> um, and it's it's just brutal. It's brutal and it's fun and it's got it's got kind of like a live improvisation quality, like almost like you're you're raping some bitch named Crazy Wanda. Sure, sure. Or maybe like you're at <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't know what we're talking about. The way you're looking. <laughs> <laughs> it's from Night of the Demon. I know, y'all told me about it before, but oh. I don't like remember. Yeah, I know. So it it, it <laughs> you you accidentally Got too high watching the movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's it's got a really improvisational quality, like during these like spoken word like noise interludes and different things that they do. It really keeps everything from being too monotonous and makes you feel kinda like you're at a live show. Like I would love to see this band live. You ever heard Chevelle's sci fi crimes? Yeah. No. That album was recorded. As 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 a uh, a whole piece, like as in the band didn't split up and record separate tracks. Right. Um, for anyone out there who doesn't know, little little tidbit about modern music production: uh, they usually lay down scratch tracks, which are just like practice tracks. Then the drums come in and they lay the beat, and then the, the all the other instruments can follow suit because the drums then become the metronome for the band, so to speak. But Chevelle's album Sci-Fi Crimes, kind of like the Black Crow's album Before the Frost. Or before the freeze, after the frost, whatever. They all got together in the studio, mic'd everything up, and then recorded the whole record. Wow. So nice. it's, yeah, I, I love when a band can pull that off. So if Worm has that kind of sound. What was the album? Colony Collapse. And that's a brand new 2020 record. Yeah. I checked out some of their older ones as well. Uh, the Blood of the Coven is thicker than something else that I can't remember. And Can You Hear the Howling Wind or some shit? Like, They've got cool, song, cool album titles, uh, but I can't remember them clearly. For me, the standout tracks on the album are uh, Thorn Palace, My Fucking Dixie, Years of Lead, which is my favorite on the album, and uh, the title track, Colony Collapse. But honestly, every song kind of stands out for me. I'm not going to say I can't recommend it enough. Like, I wouldn't recommend it to my mom or anything. But <laughs> if, you like, if you like heavy shit that's energetic got a, kind of like a sludgy atmosphere with some grind. I guess as a bass uh, core sound, it would mostly just be grind core. Yeah, if that tickle, sounds like it would tickle your fancy, then check it out. You got I, a rating on it? Yeah, yeah, I give it an 8 out of 10. Oh, fucking A, okay, so we're yeah. following each other. I love, I love the fuck out of this album. Alright, my next pick, and uh, <laughs> this is this is a different path, and uh, or, well, something different too. See how you were saying when we were talking to Angel about this. She needs to get on on get in on this rip and riff action because she never brings anything. But it's because she don't really listen to black metal, death metal, anything like that. Well, this next band, um, Night Sins, their 2012 album New Grave, n- not metal at all. It's fucking moody, 80s style goth rock. Nice. Um, yeah, and it's like you can be depressed and dance to it too. Oh, sweet! Yeah, dance like the goth kids from South Park. Pretty much, yeah. it's nice. that kind of 
Burn down, burn down, burn down, burn down, it's that kind of music, but better. Nice, like like good. taken seriously, right? Um, and I, and there is a ripping guitar solo in the album. Um, the song "The Eternal Giver" nice. has a pretty sick ass flow. But the whole thing is just like if you like, um, what is it like? Not the Cure. They're more uh, bombastic. But like, um, who's that? What's that band? Love, love will tear us apart again. Oh, Joy Division. Joy Division. Yeah. Bands like that. Well, I give this a seven point five out of ten. You can find them on Bandcamp. The album is New Grave by Night Sins. Very cool. So I'm sort of following in the same uh, in the same vein as you. Um, another 2020 release. It's a EP by Cobra Spell, a all female um, 80s hair metal band, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's an album. The album is called Love Venom. Uh, it's four songs, short and sweet. Um, it's neat. It's neat to hear like a hair metal. Thing from like a female perspective because it's usually so misogynistic and whatnot, so that's refreshing. But uh, did they sing about wanting to fuck guys that are like had sugar poured on them and stuff? No, no, nothing like that. But there's uh, talk of virgin sacrifice and love venom and uh, fun things like that. This is <laughs> <laughs> it's really melodic and harmonic at times. It's kind of like for me. This is the band they should have had in Hack-A-Lantern instead of that, that, that <laughs> shitty... At the barn? Yeah, instead of that shitty band that they had that the dude was always listening to. Mm-hmm. Man, like, this is this is what they should have had because it's, it's the fucking best. If we'd have had Cobra Spell, Place of Love, you know, we'd have had a whole mess of pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> you know? They're great. They're lots of fun. You know, it's it's short and sweet. Right now, this is all they have released. Um, but the front woman of this band is also working on music for another all-female band um, doing kind of a uh, 80s classic death metal thing called Crypta. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, this band is fronted, of course, by a very majestic woman known as Sonia Anubis from Amsterdam. Oh, she parties. Yeah, you can you can find her on Instagram and stuff. So we'll, we'll like tag her, or did you hashtag watch, her, or shout her out, whatever. Did you, shout out Sonia. Did you watch Insta- An- Amsterdam? I did, man. I was just it kind of <laughs> made me sad a little bit. I wanted it to be so much better, but you oh. know, it, it was it was cool. Okay, I mean, well, it was all right. Back to the better thing from Amsterdam. Yeah, um, like I said, this thing is short and sweet. It doesn't overstay its welcome. And it's so short that there's, it's hard to say what's a standout track, but obviously for me, obviously the title, Love Venom, mm-hmm. um, Come On Tonight is really good, and it's the opening. So yeah, shout out Sonya Anubis, you rock. Man, talking about all this metal makes me think we didn't do a single ripping riff for all of October, which is the Halloween month. It's kind of a sin, or it should be a sin. Oh, oh, sorry, um... Nine out of ten. I didn't forgot to rate it. Holy fuck! Yeah. All right. Nine out of ten. I, I love this EP. I'm looking forward to anything they put out. And since I've been following this chick on Instagram, I'm getting really excited for her other projects as well. All right. That's, That's awesome. fucking love venom by a Cobra Spell, Colony Collapse by Worm, Night Sins album New Grave, and the Norwegian black metal classic. Natin's Madrigal by Uva. Is that, that 
U L V E R. Yes. Yeah, they're fucking great. They they get more faulty as they go along as well. If you're into that, they get more more faulty and more weirder. Sweet. Yeah. But yeah, we didn't we didn't do any riffs for um, Halloween, so next year we're gonna have to correct that and not wait until fucking Christmas to unleash <laughs> the metals. Yeah. closure with that seance earlier i don't know what the fuck that noise was or whatever but i don't know man i'm kind of spooked by it i'm kind of hoping we don't have any closure and we can just leave it at this well if that's okay with you guys i keep looking down the hall yeah okay well i'm gonna go ahead and just pick the pendulum back up and uh, oh shit look hold hold on guys oh oh don't 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 I don't want to touch it don't push don't shake that thing at me yeah what's going on with the lights hold on a second here you see that? Angus? What the fuck? What the hell was that? Dude, call an electrician. Maybe I didn't pay the electricity bill again. Oh, you know? God. Did you forget that again? <laughs> that might have been what happened. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, hold on. Uh, technical difficulties. So, mm. I, <laughs> I'm <know>. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if um, we're having some sort of electrical malfunction in our house or if we have uh, a, a demonic invasion. I don't know what's going on. It's probably the Krampus, bro. We've been kind of naughty. It's really dark. That or we've been diving into things we shouldn't be, you know, snooping around in. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, it's kind of cosmic if you think about it. It's very Lovecraftian what oh, we're doing. Fuck it. <laughs> Snooping around trying to learn things we're not supposed to know. Don't talk about this after what just happened, man. I don't. I don't want to hear about this Lovecraft shit right now. Okay. <laughs> we have. We have. We have a game to play. Let's. Let's focus on good things right now. Good idea. Good idea. I want to think about what the fuck that was in the hall. Get anyway. it out of your mind. So. Huh. It's probably the peyote. Why are you being a little bitch? You scared? It's been since. Um, <laughs> Kaiju Giallo that we played the genre blender game. Um, you guys remember that? The success that was? Oh, and any listeners out there, 
go back and listen to the episode titled Kaiju Giallo. The first time we did this, I'm going to be making some posters for our uh, first three films that we made up. So what Genre Blender is, Angel, Ricky, and I are going to write, direct, and star in our own horror film, so to speak. Um, we choose a primary genre that consists of slasher, psychological, supernatural, science fiction. We added cosmic horror just because creature feature and body horror. And if you want one of the subs to be your prime too, you can. There, there's no there's no dead set rules, but you choose one prime genre to focus your film around, and then three subgenres. And this time, Ricky bought some dice. So we got some Dungeons and Dragons motherfucking dice right here. I didn't buy them though. I just brought them. Yeah. Well, and these are your fathers, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So we have Kenneth one of his, dice over one here. One of his his deadly famous sets of black dice that he loved so much. He probably had 15 sets of black dice that all looked sort of the same. This is nightclub appropriate. Yeah. Um, and so out of the uh, the subgenres, we're going to number them 1 through 20. And whatever you roll for your subgenres, that's what you get stuck with. So your prime, you pick. Okay. Oh, you pick your prime. I yeah. Like, yeah, I like that. So you at least get some wiggle room. I was going to say, if you... Yeah. If you, we're still making me, this up on the fly. Everybody. If you tell me how many how many primes are there, because we could roll for that too if we want to be like real gangster about it. Yeah, I have, I have, that'd be cool. I have seven prime genres, but you can, like I said, you can also, if you want, take a subgenre and kind of make it because you you could just branch this out. I mean, that, right. that's why it's genre blender. That's because gotcha. horror is itself a genre blending genre. Yeah. You know, it's not just action, it's not just comedy, it's not just drama, it's all right. of it and more. So, genre blender! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, everybody will go ahead and pick their prime. After you pick your prime and we roll for our three subs, we have to create a uh, plot outline, and it can be as detailed as possible. If you come up with a nice subtitle to your, your title, that would be cool, too. Um, like, I think we did that. Each of us might have done that in the last one. Yeah, mine was, uh, they've come to please the Lord. Yeah. What was yours? Or you didn't have one? A subtitle for Killer Under the Sun? No, there didn't need one. It didn't need one. <laughs> it was too great. I'm going to have to agree that when I make her poster. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, after we uh, come up with our plots, Angel's contribution to this game was... We have to have some motherfucking driving totals. <laughs> and I love that. And yes. In respect to Joe Bob and Darcy and everybody at uh, the last drive-in, it's, you know, yeah, we're ripping it off. But, I mean, come on, man. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's all about fun and games here at the Nightclub Podcast. <laughs> when we're having seances. And shit, shit. <laughs> Shits and giggles and seances. <laughs> Talking about how nothing matters. <laughs> Shats and giggles and seances. Shots and goggles. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and come up with our uh, our plots, our titles, um, using our primes and our subs. And um, yeah, speaking of subs, go ahead and find the nightclub on Slasher, Instagram, Facebook. And you can find us on any podcatcher that you might be using, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, Radio Public, TuneIn, all that good shit. And we have an email, thenightclubpodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead, send us something. Let us know how we're doing. Or if you have any questions or thoughts, fuck it, man. We'll read it on the show.
Look how much of a mess my shit is. God damn. Look, why is it fucking mess? Look, I got scratch outs and all shit. shit I had, I actually had to be like, this is first when I get to my driving. Oh. Okay. So I think we're all ready here. Um, all right, cool. Let's go. All right, cool. <laughs> Before the mic went hot again, uh, we, we were getting gangsta up in here, cool. I asked Angel, I said, what if the tall man showed up and he was like, you play a good game, cuh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Genre blender. Last time. <laughs> last time. I had to get one good one in. I went first. You went second. She went last. This time. We could roll. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Let's continue to utilize the die. We're wrong. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna do yeah, this. we're gonna roll right now. Whoever rolls highest in order goes first. Sweet. Twelve. Sixteen. Ugh. Five. God damn it. So I go last? Yeah. yeah. I'm switching with Ricky. Okay. <laughs> you were gonna go first, huh? It, yeah. I'll go Based first. I'll go first. Again. We could just cut the roll out. I'll okay. go in the middle. Um so I got a uh, holiday western comedy, and I decided to pick for my prime slasher. So it's a slasher film oh. set in the Old West. The year is 1887, and the tired, grizzled, train-robbing gang known as the Prairie Ticklers <laughs> decided to hang up their black... <laughs> <laughs> have decided to hang up their black hats and head south of the border. With plenty of gold and money, they cross over into Mexico during their national Dios de los Muertes festival. <laughs> However you say that, <laughs> it's the day of the dead. <laughs> the leader of the gang, Texarkana Clemens, is enchanted by this culture's celebration of death, and this lights a new flame in him with a taste for murder. Now disguised as a mariachi skeleton, he stalks the carnival goers from the shadows, blades of death hidden under his poncho. <laughs> the people of this quaint, quiet town become a mint salsa served up. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so stupid. <laughs> the people of this quaint, quiet town become a mint salsa served up on a tortilla of terror. Well, <laughs> Will Texarkana Clemens kill everyone before sunrise? The only ones who can stop him are the ones who know him best. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's Bill Mosley as Texarkana Clemens. <laughs> oh, shit. Versus the Prairie Ticklers in the deadliest film this side of the Rio Grande. Yeah. Death Comes to Juarez. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and for our drive-in totals, we have 32 dead bodies, 18 breasts, Four eye patches, um, one dilating pupil exploded by gunfire. So I thought of the camera work right there. Yeah. Gratuitous card games, Old West. Gratuitous quick draws, Old West. Gratuitous people spitting nasty shit in a spittoon. <laughs> <laughs> a horse named Pencil Dick. <laughs> Three shootouts. One musical number featuring festive skeletons dancing and singing to a montage of the townsfolk being picked off one by one, culminating in a hilarious standoff in which a goat bites off a cock and sets fire to a nursery. 
followed by Squished Prairie Dog. Oh. Nightclub Academy Awards go to Bill Mosley as Texarkana Clemens, a man so in love with killing, he's willing to part with his penis. Wow. Danny McBride as Hopsy, the railroad vagabond, for being thrown <laughs> off three trains and still keeps on kicking. <laughs> Carlos Mencia as Nameless Fake Mexican. Oh, my God. For saying, that smells like shit, before getting shot in the face. <laughs> Director Nigel Nigel, a.k.a. Steve Carell, he also gets an award. Nice. Um, four stars. Oh, Check it damn. out. It's because of the cast. It's because of the cast. Yeah. <laughs> and the dope. Yeah. yeah. Bill Mosley. He's Texarkana. Oh, it's my, oh, yeah. I forgot. It's my turn, huh? Yeah. Oh, y'all want me to start it now? Mm-hmm. The title of this movie is called Panic Shroom. Oh. Oh, I like the, I like the, the wordplay you did there on that fucking... Uh... <laughs> I know. I have it in parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, That's a Fincher film, I think. The the prawn genre is a uh, creature. Oh, she picked a creature feature. And my sub genres are survival, holiday, mystery. We all got fucking holidays. That's crazy. What yeah. holiday did you do? I did um the day of the day. Yeah. Okay. Mm. This is Valentine's Day. Nice. <laughs> my bloody Valentine. <laughs> all right. AKA Panic Shroom. Panic Shroom. Okay. All right. <laughs> As Valentine's Day approaches, a tired couple plans a trip to de-stress and reconnect in the Ozarks for a weekend. When the couple makes it to their destination, a weary, frail cabin in the northern woods, they realize they have no cell phone service. For the last hour, oh yeah, I'm sorry, no cell phone service for the last hour, but quickly unpack to rest. They notice strange artwork on the wall of what looks to all be of some strange language and creatures. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. During the night, Winnie is quickly awakened by realizing she was covered in a sticky, wet substance. <laughs> <laughs> I like where this is going. As the next day progresses, Winnie starts seeing images of large, scaly demons feasting on human flesh. The husband convinced... Oh, wait, what's the husband's name? Fucking forgot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. His name is Francis. Francis convinces Winnie she is hallucinating from cabin fever and helps her into bed to rest. The couple awakens the next day to turn off the alarm clock to find out they have been asleep for four days. Oh, shit. It's getting getting psychedelic and crazy. They both start hearing voices and eventually start starving as the beasts convince them to eat their own flesh. They both fucking die, and the police show up. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up, goddamn. This isn't the part I realized. Like this is going on way too long. (laughs) Okay, they (laughs) both. So it just killed them. So they both fucking die, and the police show up. (laughs) Put it in there. They show up bagging evidence of bad shrooms, realizing the couple had been impaired and hallucinating at the time of their demise. So that's the swerve. Yes. Okay. Panic shroom. Then then I put, like, quotations, (laughs) fucking idiots, starring (laughs) Bill Cosby and Oma, uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) Oma. You were just trying to push all the boundaries. I thought I took it too far with my Carlos Mencia bit. (laughs) 
Now we got Bill Cosby. <laughs> Pudding pop. Zipper zapper dooper dop. Zipper bobble zipper bop. <laughs> I'm gonna take some mushrooms and put it in your tea. <laughs> well, I can't do it. I can't do it, Bill Cosby. <laughs> okay, Bill Cosby and Uma Thurman. Cause Uma Thurman's fucking that guy. Is it yeah. old Bill Cosby? Like yeah, now? yeah, like, like he's as fresh out of prison. Yeah, as Sugar Daddy and Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Francis and Winnie. <laughs> It's the best. Oh my god. <laughs> I knew there was gold buried in there. I knew it. Keep going. <laughs> Francis and Winnie, as they venture into the mysteries of the creatures of Panic Shroom. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Drive in totals. Gratuitous saliva baths. Gratuitous <laughs> cutaways to Bill Cosby's face moles. Okay. 17 images of edible panties and kink toys. Damn. Uma Thurman as Francis, hurry up, you take too long, quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Gratuitous Bill Cosby complaining, my dick burns, you dirty old bitch, take me to a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bedroom kink whip foo. Weird artwork portrait foo. <laughs> Standard cabin cutting knife foo. <laughs> Two dead bodies. Geriatric chair roll. <laughs> Drug enhanced highs fuck roll. <laughs> seven stars. Joe Bob says, check it out. Oh, yeah. Seven. Seven. And the director. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last time she gave it less, this time she gives it more. Fuck it. He said seven. seven. He loves it. <laughs> it's, it's a hit. It's his favorite it's movie. Tremendous. All right. <laughs> the, the director is Mel Gibson. Damn. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He would make a great... That would be a great film then, though. Yeah. Because he has not made a bad movie as a director. I'm just going out there and saying it right now. Yeah, that was kind of out there, but that's it. I love it. I love it. All right. Take us home, man. Take us to Did you guys hear that? Did that come from outside? Well, was it the AC kicking on or the heater? Never mind that. All right. Go on, man. Okay. Okay. Uh, hold on. Let me... <clears throat> let me just... Hold on. Get in the right headspace. Wait, oh, yeah, right. I want to hit it, too. All right, we're going to all hit it on, on all the right, show. All right, we're just going to hit it. <laughs> Full Moon Features presents <laughs> Green Eden, Return of Orlefeist. Directed, produced, and special effects all by Tate Steinsick, director of Castle Free. Get ready for shocking body horror, demonic possessions, Torturous exorcisms, all wrapped up in holiday horror like God and the devil both intended. St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Medieval serpent demons inhabit locals of a small Irish town after an ancient order of druids return her from the abyss. The locals are transforming into hideous serpentine hybrids possessed by evil. Only Father Maynard Seamus and his most loyal <laughs> altar boy accompanied by local pub master 
with a double barrel shotgun can stop this hell on earth <laughs> and before, bring... before it was the quad shotgun no 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 it's it's a double barrel and bring justice to northern ireland can father seamus unlock the mystery of his altar boy's ancient heritage or will the world suffer in slithering madness star <laughs> ralph innocent as Father Maynard Seamus, Harvey Scrimshaw as Lucas Stewart Patrick, Tom Atkins oh, as Leonard O'Mallory, the barkeep, <laughs> Nicholas Cage oh, as Elijah, fuck. the lead cultist, Bill Mosley as Wankin Willem, the treasonous, mutinous cultist, He's busy. and Samara Weaving as Oilifeist, the demon queen of serpents and carnage. Drive-in totals, 57 dead bodies, 3 breasts, 1 penis, 80 <laughs> gallons of blood, no. 10 <laughs> gallons of venomous substance, 2 exploding heads, tongue rippings, heads roll, legs roll, arms roll, snakes roll, fork tongues roll, trucks roll, churches roll, demons <laughs> roll, rosary beads roll, rosary foo. Venom foo, belt foo, holy water foo, Bible foo, shotgun foo, dark lager foo, truck foo, flute foo, crucifix dagger foo, body of Christ wafer foo, sacrificial scimitar foo, and crucifixion foo. Gratuitous shades of green, gratuitous natural beauty of Ireland, gratuitous Gratuitous gross-out transformation sequences. Gratuitous cultist ritual murder. Gratuitous exorcism torture sequences. And gratuitous demonic hissing. I like this. Yes. Drive-In Academy Awards go to Ralph Innocent as Father Maynard for saying, No, with this holy flute, I, through the power and grace of the Lord... We'll send you back to hell. <laughs> Harvey Scrimshaw for saying, I drink thy venom and remain unaffected demon. I am steadfast in the Lord our God. <laughs> Crawl upon your belly and cower in hell where you belong for eternity. <laughs> Tom Atkins for saying, Not in my bar, motherfucker! <laughs> and what's your poison, bitch? The one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas Cage for saying, You ripped my robe? God dog fucking damn it! And Bill Mosley for saying, Let's take him to church today. <laughs> and you were weak. Now you dangle before her as a mere snack. The coven is mine now. Fucking hell. Samara Weaving for saying, Service has begun. <laughs> <laughs> and of course he has the flute. <laughs> and for Tate Steinsick for not letting plot get in the way of the story and painting the walls red. Three stars, Joe Bob says. Check it out. Yours is the one that I'd actually want to see the most. Yeah. I yeah, love I, sure. lo I love I love the like the old fashioned like fucking and I could picture it too with the with the aesthetic that, that this movie would be in. It's a full moon, bro, yeah. but it's also modern because it's this guy. Mm -hmm. Like dude, this this could be so much fun B movie awesomeness. What was the name of it? 
Green Eden, Return of Orlefeist. That's, was, that's crazy. What was the name of yours? Mine? Yeah. Panic oh, yeah. Shrew. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Panic but, Shrew. But the SH in parentheses. Okay, so we we blended a lot of genres. We definitely blended. Um, I think everybody wins this because the points don't matter. Crazy, crazy that we all got holiday. What the fuck? I don't know. Maybe because it's, you know, Xmas. It's the holiday. So I guess. The Xmas time. Leftover Christmas miracle. Fucking yeah. Must be some ghost in here that made us do all the holiday genres. You're getting too cosmic now. We gotta just tone that down, you know. Like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not gonna lie, guys. I'm a little nervous, but I really want to find out. I really want to hear from Angus Scrim. I don't want to know, man. Yeah, I'm good. I don't want to know. No, hold on here. Where's my keys? <laughs> Did one of you hide my keys? What's going on? You lost your shit. I can't find my keys. No, goddamn, Ricky. Do, we, do either one of you have cell phone service? You always lose your keys. I hope I have service. I don't even have service. I don't have my phone. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it's in the room with the kids, so you can't go get it otherwise. It's you in the room. Up. Yes. I'm, not, I'm going to risk getting it. the devil, baby. I'm going to risk oh. it. <laughs> well, uh, hold on. Dude, he, he's, he's just lost his keys. I can't check my phone because we're fucking using it. You don't have yours. We, we, I, I, I got no bars, bro. We need to be able to communicate with this fucking thing, if there is a thing. Angel, hmm. do you identify as a woman? I'm not so sure. Oh, man. This is getting bad. <laughs> oh. Are you a woman? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. I was trying to clarify to be, you know, up with the times and shit, but fuck all that. You have the witchiest potential out of the three of us. So I need you to swing the Pennywise pendulum and communicate with Angus Scrim. Why do I have to communicate with him? Because you're you're the you're the one. This woman. is true. Yeah, he's this is true. You were you were blessed by the devil in the Garden of Eden. But he's so scary. You ate of the fucking apple. 2021 20, 20, green Eden. Go ahead, Angus. <laughs> Talk to Angus. Summon him here. Conjure the scrim. <laughs> Conjure the scrim. Conjure the scrim. This is too much. Conjure, Conjure the, the scrim. scrim. <laughs> Conjure the scrim. <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> can you feel it, Mr. Crown? <laughs> <laughs> What's that song by Phil Collins? I can, I can feel it. I can feel it. Oh, tall man. Oh, shit. And then there's a big turn. Oh. And then he walks in. Mike Tyson punches like, and, then, and the air is blowing in his like. <laughs> Thank
Phantasm is a 1979 fantasy horror film with some science fiction elements, written and directed by Don Coscarelli, starring Michael Baldwin as Mike, a nosy, needy little boy, Bill Thornberry as Jody, his older brother who just wants to run away from it all, Reggie Bannister as Reggie, a guitar-toting ice cream man, a badass with a leather, leather vest too, <laughs> and the late, great Angus Scrim. Yes, we finally conjured him. Here he is. Yeah. The seance worked. Yay. As the tall man, an evil undertaker with dark powers hell-bent on enslaving the dead. Uh, the budget for this movie, anyone care to take a guess? <laughs> you know, you looked it up. She, she Angel. Our resource. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What, what what was the the budget for this film, based on what you saw? When, when, what tree was it? Nineteen seven. No, don't say tree fitting again. <laughs> she guessed that for 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 Shostakovsky's film, yeah. and, then, and then called him Mike Wazowski. <laughs> hey, it was made in nineteen seventy nine. So this is the same year Alien came out for Perspective, the first Alien movie. Oh damn. Okay. Hmm. A year after John Carpenter's Halloween. And that oh that being said, I, I did want to throw this in there. This is the longest running horror franchise with a consistent story. Halloween came out a year before this and has more sequels and it's still going as to where this franchise is probably over at this point. Angus Scrum again passed away and he was the tall man in every film. Mm-hmm. So but but Halloween, as we've discussed multiple storylines. It's yeah. a fucking mess. It's so, a mess. How much do you think this film was was made for in 1979? 2.5 million. Close. If you would like adjust it, it would be probably close to a million and a half dollars today. But back then it was made for $300,000. Oh, wow. Guess how much it grossed. Uh, yeah, I would think a lot more, but I have no idea. It grossed 12 million is, is what I found. I found conflicting numbers that say something like 22 million. It like... Way, way surpassed its budget, yeah. made a hell of profit, yeah. and that's what got Don Coscarelli's name you on know, the map. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what got it. us Beastmaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, which we gotta cover once we do our thing. Oh, sword and sorcery is coming, everybody. Oh, new yeah. Year. We'll we'll touch on that at the end of the episode. But New Year, new shenanigans. Um, are we doing my movie next? Yes, yes, yes we are. Uh, we'll cool. announce that at the end, so everyone can. We we don't normally announce. What we're gonna do next? I kind of tease it on social media, but um, a little tease you. But I have announced him before. So uh, Don Coscarelli, he wanted to make a horror film that allowed him to combine his childhood love of the genre with better business prospects. So he had two like commercial failures and financial failures. Right. Um, the original idea was inspired by something Wicked This Way Comes by author Ray Bradbury, right. but Disney owned the rights to that story and that stopped Don writing his tracks. Oh dang. Um, but he had a dream about this metallic sphere chasing him down marble corridors, trying to attack him with a needle. And that's what gave him like that's what gave him the inspiration to continue like with with a, an original idea. Oh that's cool. And the theme of a young boy's difficulty uh, convincing adults of his fears, that was influenced by Invaders from Mars, a nineteen fifty three film. There's also um, the lack of explanation for some of the storylines or plot elements comes from Suspiria, Dario, Dario Argento's 1977 Italian film. We watched that. Mm-hmm. The score is also pretty influenced by Goblin. Yeah. It was a good 
What, the music? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. hell yeah. Uh, funding for the film came in part from Coscarelli's father, as well as some doctors and lawyers willing to invest in the project. His mother designed some of the special effects, costumes, and makeup, with the cast and crew composed mainly of friends and aspiring actors. Oh, so she she can be contributed for making Ozzy Osbourne's mom. Shh, oh, let's hold yeah. on, let's let's get there. Let's she's get there. a badass. Some some of these inspi- uh, as- aspiring actors, including Reggie Bannister, did their own stunts and. Um, because he could not afford to hire an editor or a cameraman, Don Coscarelli did it all himself, like a late 1970s <laughs> Robert Rodriguez. Uh, filming was done on weekends or whenever people were available over the course of a year, with the script changing often during production on a scene-by-scene basis, and the cast had to utilize improvisation. So you take all that into, into account, and some of, the, some of the cast members, as you see in the film, are m- musicians. So right. these are not professional people but they're making a, a product that yeah we're gonna get into yeah, all that it's crazy um then f- to cut corners they would rent some of the cameras and the equipment on a friday and those rental stores would close so they could use and film over the weekend when more people were available to shoot and they'd return it on monday so they'd only pay for one day of use that's awesome yeah um a man named willard green who was a metal worker fashioned the iconic spheres in the film but unfortunately never got to see his work on screen because he died before the film was released. The film was mainly yeah. shot in 1977. Yeah. It didn't come out until 79. There was a long post-production fucking a whole, a whole deal. Yeah, they had to save a lot of time off. The, uh, the 1971 Plymouth Barracuda in the film, Jody's fucking muscle car, it was used because Don Coscarelli knew someone in high school who drove one, and he was like, I can get my hands on this thing. So, put it in the film, and uh, this this I, th- I thought this was neat. Captain Phasma from the new Star Wars sequels got her name because mm-hmm. her suit reminded J.J. Abrams of the spheres from Phantasm. Phantasm. So pretty neat. And um, USA Today's y- Yav- Yavanka Vukovic, I hope I'm saying that right, um, editor in chief of Rue Morgue. USA Today quoted this person. Anyway, (laughs) they they stated that Supernatural, A Nightmare on Elm Street, which after seeing the film and then then I'm like, yeah, there's a correlation here with Mm -hmm. like the dream blending into reality, blending into dream and never knowing kind of where, you know, what's going on. And a lot of that had to do with the film's post-production. Again, there was a three hour cut of this movie. (laughs) <laughs> the movie as it, as it as it as it stands the remastered version at least is an hour and 29 minutes it's a short watch nice little gem um a three-hour version of this had a lot more character development but after like some initial screenings coscarelli decided to cut a lot of that shit out and that's why some scenes this movie was just it's almost like a fly by the by the seat of their pants the whole way through mm-hmm. and even though it was very unprofessional there's still like a raw quality to it, and they pull off some good stuff. I know I'm tipping my hand a little bit, but um, that's all right. You tip that hand. <laughs> the the tall man is also said to be like representative of, of death and other characters from folklore, and mm-hmm. is also an influence on modern folklore in the character of Slenderman. Yeah, everybody I knows. I could totally Slenderman. see it. Yeah. In Australia, the film's title was changed to The Never Dead. 
and its Turkish title, Maniac, translates to Psycho. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Turkey. The film received some awards. I, I found it, it was like nominated for the Saturn Award, Best Horror Film in 1980, but um, I couldn't find much else. It has since become a cult classic, though, um, even though it was a success upon release. But Don Coscarelli ended up returning to this this story four more times over the years. So it ran from as a franchise 2000 from 1979 to 2016. Guess what this got on Rotten Tomatoes? If you know, I'm going to let her guess. I don't know. I looked at it. I saw it on your thing. You saw it? Yeah. Why are you snooping over here? I didn't. I didn't I'm like to. the DM. 69. I thought it was 6.7. That's Rotten Tomatoes. Wrong. You're fucking everything. Why? <laughs> That's an IMDb score. Yeah, you, uh, you gave it to him. Now the guessing game is for 6.7. Me, me and Cole do this on um, Joe Blow, so he's going to hear me ripping him off. But I think we've done this before, too, though. Yeah, yeah sure. I think we might have with The Witch. I don't think we well, did it a lot. but Since, since Angel harpooned that. Um, no, Sorry. No. Nah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 74%. Uh, audience 67 uh, and yeah the IMDB score was 6.7 out of 10 so you know okay yeah it's got it's, 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 got, it's got favorable <laughs> reviews some people it's the bee's knees a hey, boy boy yeah alright everybody we're gonna start the midnight ritual and in our midnight ritual we like to sit by pink Christmas lights with uh, candles and incense and HP Lovecraft novel collection and while nuts we Oh yeah, and Paul's nuts. Paul's Cheney's nuts. As yeah. <laughs> as we talk about horror movies, and if you have not seen 1979's Phantasm, cry off now. Let the ritual begin, sir, sir. <laughs> <laughs> red title card phantasm next a funeral home morningside cemetery sprawled out amongst the graves and erect tommy is being ridden by a topless lady in a purple dress or the lady in lavender who then stabs tommy after his orgasm and reveals herself to be well a man so this film opens with someone essentially being tranny tricked look by a cosmic well we'll get there look pe- people are going to have a problem with that term and i understand so to be sensitive to anyone who out there i don't think it's fair if you hook up with someone and you and and like you present yourself as a woman and you don't tell the person that you have a dick i think that's kind of fucked up yeah so yeah they should be put out there um beforehand most definitely because some people are into that, and that's, that's hey, fine. Man, yeah. fucking awesome. Awesome. Do it. Love it. But don't try to trick me, tall man. 
This is how this movie starts, dude. It's kind of amazing. This is like one of the best opening scenes of all time. <laughs> he likes to get his fucks on, man. He does. He lets <laughs> the tall man lets this guy come in him and yeah. then kills him. Yeah. It's the best. Bruh. It's it's sick and he fucking loves it. Later in the movie <laughs> later in the movie he's gonna he's go, he's going forward with it with uh Oh yeah. With Jody. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll get there. Because that's an amazing scene. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy's funeral takes place at Morningside, and Tommy's friends Jody and Reggie lament their friend's death and that he committed suicide. So this is what they believe at this point. While Jody is wandering the halls of the mausoleum, his younger brother Mike is cruising through the cemetery on his dirt bike. Such a badass kid, man. They're weaving through all the fucking graves. I love That's Mike. fucking disrespectful. I, I love Mike I, so much. I love this. You say badass, and she's getting the red ass because he, to her, he is a little <laughs> badass. He's a little like bitch making runs throughout the fucking shit. cemetery. He's a little shit. There's no doubt, but he is just a badass kid. Sebastian threw down Angel's camera Christmas ornament and shattered it, the bulb of it all over the floor earlier today because he's a little oh, badass. Just he looks at you, and then he just fucking throws it. Yeah. Oh. And, and oh yeah, he keeps his arms up when he throws it, Ricky. He, Oh, <laughs> yeah, he, he just he just and then he looks at you and it's like oh, I, I just love it. Damn. Um. Okay. Both brothers hear the same grim chirping snarls before glimpsing a cloaked figure out of the corners of their eyes. The Undertaker approaches Jody. The funeral is about to begin, sir. <laughs> After the viewing. Tommy's casket is brought to the burial site, but after everyone leaves, Mike secretly observes the tall man, the Morningside Mortician, as he places Tommy's 500-pound casket single-handedly and with ease back into the hearse instead of completing the burial. Oh yeah, he was fucking shoving that shit back in that hearse. With water. Oh, yeah. All the flowers falling off, and she's like, oh, just shove that shit in there. He's like... Can you help me load this furniture? And, and, yeah, and then the dude, what the fuck? I love that scene where it shows Mike and he just lowers the binoculars and mouths the words, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> it's so good, they show it again later. Right. They, they show yeah, pretty the much the exact scene. scene. But, they, but they, they keep it going. Yeah, they expand To show you what happened after. Yeah. Yeah, so after witnessing this, Mike visits a psychic <laughs> and her granddaughter. Who's who's this psychic look like? Oh, that, that yeah, Ozzy Osbourne's mom. <laughs> <laughs> totally. She looks just like Ozzy Osbourne's mom. <laughs> and I never noticed until you oh said something. Oh my god. <laughs> her home. Sharon. <laughs> and then her little giggle at the end of the season. <laughs> it's the best. I'm like, what the fuck? I was gonna bring that up too. I love how they laugh when he walks out of there with each other. Like, what a it's loser, bitch! <laughs> like, I was always like, what's the purpose of showing us that laugh? I don't get it. I know. Are they like supposed to say like it's surreal, bro? Is it supposed to be? <laughs> I guess. I guess it's, it's it's some surreal old lady psychic giggling with her granddaughter. <laughs> Okay, so before we get to the, the, the surreal giggles, yeah, <laughs> her home is marked by the sigil of a pitch black hand. That's like, you know, the psychic sign or whatever. And inside, it is a glow with candlelight flickering in the dark of where no doubt so many readings and rituals had been performed. They sit at her turning table and Mike tells them that he knows his brother plans on leaving. 
we enter a flashback right after Tommy's funeral, where Jody talks to an old friend in his driveway that has returned to town because of Tommy's suicide, quote-unquote. Jody explains that he plans on leaving town and sending Mike to live with their aunt. Okay. He says that so nonchalantly. But here's the thing, though. He was already living his own life when their parents died. He was on the road. He's a roadie. Yeah, right? I get it, but so, damn. He came back to town. He's kind of taking care of his brother, but he he ain't his dad. And if he's got an aunt that he can go live with where he'd be loved and homeboy can keep living his, his adult life, I'm not saying... I'm saying I wouldn't judge somebody who passed on... Like, they knew they weren't going to be capable of that kind of responsibility. Right. Well, yeah. If because it's like, what's he going to do? Take it, him on the road? I mean, and, you, and he could, but then... The, the, the change, but fuck oh, it. Oh, man, fuck all that, dude. Um, like the shenanigans that kid would get into, he'd be fucking rolling, doing heroin with all the other junky roadies and shit. He'd be doing shrooms with Bill Cosby and, uh, Uma Thurman. Thurman. He'd be like, he'd be the, um, you heard that too? Oh no, he's not even in this scene. Okay, look, (laughs) let's get back on track before he comes. Um, Mike overhears this conversation while he's under his brother's car trying to fix a problem. Apparently, he's like a whiz mechanic. Yeah. All of which led him to seeing the psychic, as well as the mysterious tall man's incredible feat of strength and being telepathically attacked by him while riding out of the cemetery. That's that's where the scene continues mm-hmm. on. He's fucking trying to roll out on his dirt bike, and you just see the tall man look at him, and you hear like... <laughs> yeah, and like like a, like a psychic gunshot. He fuss rodaz him from like super far away. Fuss Rodaz? Yeah. What's that? From Skyrim. It's the first dragon uh, power you get. Oh, I don't remember. Where you, you Fuss Rodaz and you just push someone like <laughs> far away. That's what he did. He knocked yeah, him off his just bike. He knocks him. But he hauls ass to the psychics. I like so. the fact that he starts off his escape with a wheelie. Like, oh, like, like when he first he starts off his escape on the dirt bike by popping a wheelie. I, didn't, I did not <laughs> notice that. Me either. <laughs> The psychic silently manifests a black box, and the granddaughter instructs him to place his hand inside. Mike does so reluctantly, and finds that he can't retract his hand. During his panic, the granddaughter tells him to let go of his fear. Mike eventually calms down and easily removes his hand. The granddaughter tells him what lesson her psychic grandmother is trying to teach. Fear is the killer. It's all in your mind. Mike places some money on top of the box... And along with the box, it vanishes. Pretty neat ending to that scene. And the the box, what's that a reference to? Dune, uh, old science fiction novel. Damn, like like it's it's almost a scene straight out of the book as well as the movie where the uh, main character has to let go of his fear before he can remove his hand from the painful box <laughs> and cool. the. The moral, the moral from this wise woman character in both stories is that fear is the enemy. In Dune, it's fear is the mind killer. So there you have it. a nice little Dune reference. And there's another coming up later. So I guess Coscarelli's a fan. And he's cosmic, cosmic Coscarelli. Cosmic Coscarelli. This scene, this is the best. As Jody is jamming out with his electric guitar on his porch, one (laughs) badass ice cream man shows up with an acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. This is Reggie from earlier during the funeral. 
a bald but ponytail sporting entrepreneur. He owns his own ice cream truck, people. Hell yeah. And together he and Jody perform a brief tune, Sitting Here at Midnight. I'm just a sitting here at midnight. And I've been sitting here till noon. See, my lady left me lonely Yes, she did Baby left me blue Reggie dubs them hot as love. Hot as love. Pulls out his little tuning for Yeah, I like that shit. In a brief scene, the young granddaughter of the psychic from earlier is walking inside the funeral home's mausoleum and approaches an ominous door, opening it to reveal a blinding light ending with her scream as a backdrop to the house of the dead. Might I just add that... And the never dead. At that <laughs> point, you've seen... The cutaway to the house in the same exact spot at least three times so far, mm -hmm. which you will continue to see throughout the film. The same exact cut yeah. at that angle of the fucking house. Gratuitous. It gratuitous. is definitely gratuitous. Mausoleum. <laughs> <laughs> Later that night at a hole in the wall local bar called Dune's Cantina. Hey. That's the Dune reference Ricky was talking about. Jody is seduced by the Lady in Lavender. We know what this means. He's getting tricked. <laughs> He's taken back to he the He is the side. trick. Dude, they, she takes him back to the cemetery for some gothic graveyard sex. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. This is like a little... Come, come, let me give you that graveyard dick. Yeah, dude. Mm -hmm. this, this, that band from earlier that I was talking about, New Sims, they could be playing over this while it's going on. Hell yeah, bro. Having sex in the graveyard. <laughs> Having sex. Uh... <laughs> She barely slipped. <laughs> a tall man's trying to get came in again. <laughs> she barely slips Jody's jeans down when they are cock blocked by Mike, who has been. This is two movies in a row now where characters are cock blocked. Just saying. The tall man has a cream pie fetish. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> Damn it, Angus. <laughs> All Angus beef with the cream filling. Oh yeah, my god. The cream freeze. <laughs> okay. So they're cockblocked by Mike, who's been following Jody and who fled from his hiding place after being attacked by a scurrying short hooded <laughs> figure. I love his scream right here, too. It's oh, so great. Yeah. And what are these things? These little shark. Hooded. Well, Jody calls him uh, some kind of gopher in heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he says, it ain't no gopher. But basically, it was gonna get me. A gopher, man. But basically, they're they're Jawas, right? Yeah, I mean, basically from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Well, they're undead Jawas, I guess. Undead, shrunken midget Jawas. Yeah. Okay. Where do they call them in the movie, though? Dwarfs. Dwarfs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like Lord of the Rings. 
Jody recognizes Mike and gives chase with the lady's panties still in his mouth. <laughs> Mike tries to tell Jody about the hooded figure, but Jody dismisses the story as a product of an overactive imagination. Gophers. He tells Mike to go on home and returns to an empty graveyard. No lady in lavender to be found. So, yeah, she fucking, or he, whatever, left his ass hanging because he left her hanging. I'm over this cream pie. (laughs) Back home, as Mike sleeps, his dreams slowly give way to eerie, fascinating nightmares. With him still in bed, but at the cemetery, the tall man lurching over his head. When suddenly the undead tear up from the ground and ravage Mike. My favorite scene in the movie. Iconic shot. And probably my favorite nightmare sequence from any movie I've ever seen. The music, everything. It's amazing. I think there's some films that really capture the sense of a nightmare. Like what it is to be in in a nightmare and how things that don't normally make sense... In dreams in general, things that right. don't normally make sense make complete sense, and you don't question it in a dream, you just go with the flow. And I think this movie, it's pacing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk about this uh, after after we get through with the ritual, but um, I'll, I'll put a pin in the pacing for now. But, but I think the movie's meant to be based on, again, how they had to just cobble together an edited final product cutting out all that character development and the shit that the test audiences were like fuck this I would love to see a three hour cut but you know just just be, just because I do think some things could still be trimmed from it, at least the feature that we have though yeah but definitely that being said I think this movie's meant to be like you just kind of accept it like it's a dream and when this happens the way it flows in and out and the same thing happens later with his brother Jody mm-hmm. you, you, you do you get the sense of it's like a nightmare on Elm Street it's yeah. like when is it a dream when is it fake and by the end it's like you still don't really fucking know so <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say we were going to solve the fucking lament configuration on this fucking show no. tonight Ashley Lawrence is nowhere in sight unfortunately the next day Q, Q, I was meant for love and you by kiss Next day, Mike spots the tall man from across the street while sucking a lollipop. (laughs) The tall man is on foot, heading down the sidewalk past some of the storefronts, and Mike's world seizes up. In a state of heightened senses and paralyzing fear, Mike watches the tall man stop, turn towards him, and make eye contact. (laughs) At the same time, Reggie is loading his ice cream truck right by the tall man. And the cold air's vapors from his freezers caused the tall man to appear in either elation, some kind of ecstasy, or some sort of resistance, like a like a mm-hmm. defensive posture. Right. His hands go up, his eyes close, and he kind of grunts. And after the air passes, he continues on down the street past the frightened teenager. Another great scene. I think these two scenes, just right on top of each other, are like... That's the type of shit you would see in a dream and the type of shit that's just like so surreal. I mean, right. it, it's just weird, weird shit. 
Back at Dune's cantina, Jody confesses to the bartender that he was fooling around with the lady and he left her at the cemetery, but he gets nowhere trying to figure out if she ever returned. This is a throwaway scene. I don't, I don't know why it's in the movie. You get a hold of something you can't handle? Yeah. <laughs> Back at his house, Mike is working on Jody's muscle car in the garage. And while under the vehicle, the same snarling hooded menaces return and cause the car to collapse on the mic. And the kid, like, shrinks himself under the car mm -hmm. while it's moving yeah. and jostling. Wouldn't you try to get the fuck out of there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, he's too small to get crushed, and he lashes out with a hammer at the first thing he sees moving, which happens to be Joey's foot. Yeah. You 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 laughed at that. I laughed yeah. at that, too. Because it really looks like he hits it like a steel toe. Mm -hmm. But Jody goes, Motherfuck, my foot! <laughs> <laughs> Mike arms himself with a hunter's knife and heads back to the funeral home later that night oh, to investigate oh, further. Before we get any further, this this scene after he hits Jody is the second time that he talks about how the dwarf was going to get him. Like, that's what he says. He said, it was going to get me. <laughs> he emphasizes that. Right. I love, I love that he says it's going to get me. <laughs> I don't know why. I it's, just love that. It's childlike. Right. It's not it's not it's gonna rip my head off. It's it's gonna get me. It's gonna get me. Yeah. Yeah. There's so the same thing he tells him in the cemetery. It yeah. was gonna get me. <laughs> there's something I think that on a subconscious level the the, the the things you were afraid of as a child, it might kinda just seep in there. If 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 you're yeah on that wavelength. But um Mike gets his hunting knife and goes back to the uh morning side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He breaks in he breaks a window at ground level leading to the basement storage room and passes through a coffin display. And he has to hide inside one of them when the mausoleum's caretaker comes to check out the noise. With his awesome eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> the tall man appears and leads the man away with Mike narrowly avoiding detection. He enters the mausoleum, a marble corridor of hallways, graves, and flying silver spears. <laughs> Mike is nearly captured by the cantankerous caretaker, <laughs> but escapes after the flying spears impale itself into the caretaker's skull and drills into his brain, releasing a flowing spray of blood. It's a little like water fountain of blood. It's a geyser of blood. It's an erupting, gushing torrent of blood. Of, of, blood. Crim of crimson excellence. Of crimson <laughs> I, lo I love this kill and this scene, man. They show the drill go into the fucking eye. It's my favorite, awesome. my favorite part is when he falls down, and the pool of urine comes yeah. from his leg. <laughs> it just I love expands that. for like like seven or eight seconds. Yeah, like because urine. newsflash for people who don't know, you shit and piss yourself when you die. It right. just happens. I love that they put that in there. Well, th this film almost got an X rating because of that mm -hmm. that very part of that scene. Huh. Someone you know knocked it off and gave it the r but right. it almost got an x because of the piss after the eye drilling <laughs> so stupid <laughs> it's so realistic people are so stupid you worked in nursing home dumb you know, animals yeah yeah but <laughs> dumb just animals. A thing. <laughs> mike then flees from the tall man and dude this scene's cool because he's chasing him through the halls and the way that lighting is set up the, okay. the, the, the walls the marble walls are like a white Mm -hmm. So as they pass through the shadows and the light peering off the marble wall, it just it looks fucking awesome. It looks like a nightmare scene. Hell yeah. Like a dream. And, and it starts off with Mike looking at the body and the tall man appearing in the background. 
and looking at him, and I we get that, that iconic shot. shot. I love that shot. That might and be he, my favorite shot of the film. And he turns around and says, um, oh, shit. <laughs> and I just love that line so much. And then they do their weird little creeping towards each other so they can get to the hallway first dance that they do. This is this is this, That's one of the scenes where the pacing doesn't bother me because it's actually building some tension. Yeah. Um, but... Mike makes his way back through the coffin display, through the funeral home, and he slams the storage room door on the tall man's hand. And his <laughs> fingers get smashed in the door, and Mike quickly cuts them off with his hunter's knife. Oh, yeah. Money and, just wants that finger, son. And you, you get the honey mustard, spicy uh, mustard, blood, mm-hmm. the yellow pus blood, pi- the, the piss blood. You get you, tall man no, piss blood. No, it's like nasty and I figured it was pus. like formaldehyde blood. Yes. Or alien blood. Ew. But, um, yeah, and Mike has the foresight to pick up one of the fingers and stick it in his uh, jacket pocket. Let me take that with me, he said. Evidence. Yeah, he takes the finger and uh, Jody comes home and Mike's waiting on the staircase with a shotgun. Yeah. So the finger, which Mike is keeping in a small wooden box, is right away enough to convince Jody that everything Mike's been telling him is true. And it's still moving around when he shows him, too. It's creepy. They're going to bring this uh, still moving finger to the sheriff and try to explain what strange things have been happening. Mike goes to retrieve the box... But the finger has morphed into a large, devilish insect that yes. attacks the brothers on a rampage through their house. That was surprising. One of my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. Dragging them from one side of the staircase to the other, the whole way down. I love the way they played that up. <laughs> it's With very... Swinging their arms around and stuff. It's very Evil Dead too. Hell yeah. In, in, in like how comedic the, the, the performance is. Well, the body. The, they're having to fucking mime something strug- they're struggling with, there's right. nothing there. Right. I, I totally need a replica of that little creature as well. It's Cosco- the best. Coscarelli would revisit this concept in Bubba Hotep years later. Um, Reggie shows up and he sees the finger-turned insect attack Mike, and after they kill it by ripping it to shreds in the garbage disposal, he joins the brothers in their suspicions. Jody gives Mike a gun and tells him if he intends to use it, and he shoots to kill, in so many words. Right. Mm-hmm. He leaves Mike at home and goes to the funeral home by himself. Where the fuck did Reggie go during this? Right. <laughs> Barely making his way inside, Jody is attacked by a hooded dwarf. After shooting it, he flees and is chased by a seemingly driverless hearse. But he's rescued by Mike and Dakota, bro. Mm-hmm. Little Mikey shows up. And they're now they're in a car chase. So this movie's got a car chase. Mm-hmm. Opening up with the tricks for, for for kids. And now we got car chases and shit. And um And Jody says, There's no one driving that mother. <laughs> they, <laughs> he starts unloading a few rounds into the hearse's engine, running the hearse off the road and into a tree line. Um they discover that it was being driven by one of the hooded figures, now impaled with a tree limb. And to their Tommy. shock, it's a reanimated and shrunken Tommy. Mm-hmm. Jody calls Reggie and convinces him that the uh, shrunken body needs to be kept in the freezer of his ice cream truck as more evidence of the bizarre events taking place. So, okay, Reggie's a team player. He went sure. So, he went somewhere for a minute, but... Yeah. But concerned it was going to ruin his ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Sure. 
It's yeah. not gonna drip all over my ice cream, is it? Yeah. It's fucked up because they find the, the alien piss blood later. A handprint of it. Yeah. Reggie, Jody, and Mike try to figure out what these dead bodies are being crushed and reanimated for. Reggie suggests beating the shit out of the tall man <laughs> and driving a stake through his heart, so fuck yeah, Reggie. <laughs> they're, right, they're just straight up thinking. He's like, oh, must be a vampire. Totally. Fuck it. Yeah. While Mike is hidden at an antique store owned by Jody's friends, Sally and Sue, fucking throwaway characters, but he goes exploring and finds an old photograph of the tall man in a horse-drawn carriage from presumably the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Dude. Mm-hmm. He looks I, back at him. I like the still image moving yeah. trick. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, it's, it's awesome. It's creepy. Hell yeah, it is. From the It miniseries to this film, or, well, this film first, but... Good on you, Tom Holland. Bringing back the old the old tricks. Tom Holland did the miniseries. At this time, Jody is waiting at home and nods off only to appear in the mausoleum. From behind the white marble wall, caskets explode and the undead that haunts his brother's nightmares pull him into the grave's abyss just as he awakens back in his home. So it's like he kind of, I don't know, slipped into the dream or whatever. Right. Mike insists on going home, and on the way, Sally and Sue come across Reggie's overturned ice cream truck. They're attacked by a mob of hooded hooded dwarves that they, they hijack the car, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they, they take off with the chips. I love that. Imagine driving somewhere, or <laughs> imagine walking somewhere, and this little fucking Volkswagen just drives by, and there's all these Jawas beating these chicks up, and they're just <laughs> screaming, and it's just hauling ass. Like, what do you do? Fucking pray to the tall man. <laughs> Presuming the girls... Oh, uh, yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike's, he, he's lost on the road. The car took off. So he, he thinks the girls and Reggie are dead, and he runs home to tell Jody that all of their friends are probably back at Morningside now. Jody locks Mike in his room to try to keep him safe and then leaves for the mausoleum to kill the tall man. With the screwdriver that I have like five or six of in my toolbox and I don't know where they all came from, (laughs) but I've got like five or six of those bitches all that exact same size, that exact same little screwdriver. (laughs) I got them all from my grandpa. Aww. Yeah. And I inherited his tools. Mike escapes by setting off a shotgun round, right? Yeah. yeah. He MacGyver's that shit. Another one of my favorite fucking scenes, bro. It's because he's like a little mechanic. He's a little... He's... Dude, he's a badass kid, bro. He's just running around with guns and knives and fucking drinks beer sometimes. <laughs> fucking drives the Cuda, bro. Yeah, he does drive the Cuda. Bro, fucking Mike, MacGyver's shit. Mike, Mike MacGyver and the Cuda. Dude, he's a badass 13-year-old, man. It's a badass kid. I like how the older brother fucks in the cemetery, but he's got a muscle core. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why, why doesn't he take the lady in lavender back to his by muscle a grave. core? They're gonna go fuck in the graveyard. Look, I'm just saying... It was probably your, her idea. Your boy suicided in the graveyard. Right. He got clinton Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah, so Mike sets off the shotgun round using a hammer, destroying his doorknob, and he's able to take that fucking screwdriver out of his door and get out. <laughs> he grabs the handgun downstairs and runs into the tall man who was waiting for him outside his front door. And another one of my favorite scenes with his little fingers curled and 
I've been waiting for you. Fuck that. Dude. And then he just shows him his hand. I he, love it. He kidnaps Mike and throws him into the hearse, taking him back to Morningside. The music here is fucking amazing, too. Mm-hmm. Dude, like, and it's the same thing, but it's, it feels like they really, like, kick up the drums. You know, there's, like, these drum fills and everything, and the fucking tall man's literally just holding him up with one hand till he gives up, because he's like, what can I do? I love this scene so much. squirmy worm. <laughs> Mike shoots out the back window, so resourceful <laughs> again. And then yeah. the tire. Before yep. escaping, and uh, this causes the hearse to strike a pole and immediately explode. Blow up like Michael Bay. Dude, this, come on, we weren't even in the 80s yet, so this movie was a progenitor of the fucking pointless car explosion. Yeah. With the tall man and his vehicle ablaze, Mike looks for Jody in the mausoleum. Both brothers discover their father's body is missing from his coffin, and the silver sphere returns. Mm-mm. Jody doesn't discover it. He can't bring himself to look. Oh, oh, Yeah, okay. he keeps his eyes closed and then lets it slam, and he's like, ah. And then Mike goes to bring it up, and he, he sees the look in Jody's face and realizes he doesn't know, so he says, forget it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I like that little bit of dichotomy between the characters, because it's like in this instance, you know, Mike's looking out for Jody. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I, I don't know. I love that. He seems like he's a stronger character. Yeah. Yeah, so the silver spear returns and it's trying to kill Mike until Jody destroys it with a shotgun. And that's all you get of, of the silver spears in this movie. Yep. Um, you get the cool little uh, sentinel spear vision, though. Yeah. All that red shit. Yeah. I like that. But the, this, you know how they did that effect with the uh, the spheres flying through the air? Uh, baseball picture. <laughs> Take yeah. out a baseball picture to pitcher, not picture. Uh, to throw it mm-hmm. down these hallways and then they just shot it like you know did yeah. it in reverse mm-hmm. all and made the, the little sound effects all the spear shots in the film were shot and played in reverse it's amazing it's awesome yeah. I, just, I still try to figure out how they showed that one come around that corner though you know mm-hmm. that as a matter of fact that one you see it come around the corner and shoot I can't figure that out unless homeboy had a wicked curveball <laughs> So after they destroy the sphere and with a Reggie who has emerged and apparently saved Sally, Sue, and some other bitches that he let out of caskets or something, yeah, um, they decide to approach and enter that ominous door from earlier. Yeah, buddy. Inside is a brightly lit room which is filled with black containers filled with more dwarves. Jody mm-hmm. looks inside and he's like, oh, God, <laughs> or something like that. Dwarves. <laughs> a pair of- They look like little propane tanks. Yeah, <laughs> a pair of what appears to be large, 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 large tuning forks are large, in the center. Large, large, but large <laughs> are in the center of the room, and Mike catches a brief glimpse through this strange portal of a red planet, a hot world where the dwarves are toiling away as slaves. Jody and Reggie pull him back, and Mike says that the dwarves there are slaves, and they have to be crushed to survive the gravity on the planet on the other side of the portal. Right. And that's the first and only shred of explanation you get it in this a, movie. <laughs> it, is a, it is a massive speculative ex, uh, exposition dump. Because right. there's no way that kid knows that much about, I don't know, what the fuck ever he just experienced. Hell yeah, bro. That kid knows about 
space and physics. We, don't, we don't know what, what the hell he just experienced. You saw that, that picture of the moon or whatever in his room, right? So, yeah. yeah, he likes space, dude. Come on. He's got a master's in physics. <laughs> a sudden power outage, <laughs> kind of like the one we had earlier, separates the trio. Jody heads outside and is nearly stabbed by the lady in lavender. Left alone in the room of black canisters, Reggie recalls his tuning fork and activates the portal, creating a powerful vacuum from which he narrowly escapes. In the ensuing storm whipping around outside the Morningside funeral home, Reggie is lured as Mike screams for Jody, but he is stabbed by the Lady in Lavender, revealing himself to be the tall man to a dying Reggie. Jody and Mike see Reggie die and then flee as the mausoleum vanishes. What in the fuck? It just adds. It just keeps adding. It just keeps getting crazier. The fucking tuning fork portal closing scene is another one of the biggest iconic favorites of mine. And I think it's the shot, too, of the tall man holding a dagger over Reggie's body outside yeah, the door. Yeah, holding it all weird and stretched out. Like, it's like he's doing some kind of fucking sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Or, or a but fuck it, yeah. And Reggie's faces and noises he makes always tickle me. Yeah, he don't know how to die. He don't know how to die. But we forgive him. I mean, this was literally his first movie, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah. Jody devises a plan to trap the tall man in an abandoned mine shaft. <laughs> and this felt very like throwing a dart and just wherever it lands, this is how we're going to yeah. this movie. Yeah. Um, he wants to run that tall bastard straight down to hell. Which adds to like the dreamlike, dreamlike qualities, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it just could. like, oh, well, you know, there's the mine shaft. Fuck it. Yeah. That's what we got to <laughs> do, right? The mine shaft. That works. No, babe. Yeah. No mine shaft. This movie is just crazy. <laughs> so Jody leaves Mike home alone again, and the tall man attacks Mike, chasing him outside where he gets caught in the mindfuck of a trap and, and, and illusions. Like, there's the lady in lavender, and I don't know, Mike's, like, kind of lost in, in some, mm-hmm. again, surreal shit that's going on. Before he eventually tricks the tall man and causes him to fall into the mine shaft and is buried by an avalanche of rocks that Jody somehow he summoned it, I guess. I mean, he kicked him over, bro. He performed his own kicking spell. And at the he top just of does it. this. He yeah. just picks yeah. his arms up like, "Yes, yeah. victory! <laughs> I must succeed." <laughs> you remember I, Freakazoid? I been, like, really yes, he what he hit my brother. Candlejack. Oh, you remember Candlejack no. from Freakazoid? No. You remember Candle Jack? No. Oh man. We used to, my dad used to do the We Must Succeed all the time. That was his thing. Fuck, I love Freakazoid. Lightning and thunder wake Mike up in his bed and he's crying by like a fireplace. Yeah. With Reggie. Who's still alive. And Mike's telling him that the tall man took his parents, took Jody, and that he's coming for him next. Reggie tells Mike that this has all been a bad dream. Jody had died in a car wreck. He wasn't taken by the tall man. And Reggie promises that he's going to take care of him. He decides they should go on a road trip to get away from this sadness. When Mike enters his bedroom to pack, the tall man appears to him. And undead hands crash through the bedroom mirror, pulling Mike through into a black void. Fear of reflection, all in his mind. Why? 
one of my favorite endings to a movie ever. Yeah. Boy. Boy. And then the hands crashing through and pulling him and he screams and you're like, okay, what is this movie? What happens for the next four films? Like, what can, well, what can this be? Just for this, for the purposes of the Midnight Ritual tonight. Of course. Let's, because, and I haven't seen, I think I saw the second one years ago, remember nothing of it. And I haven't seen the other, the other sequels. So just taking this film on its own merits and yes, knowing the background I know about it. That's how I'm approaching my, my, my score for this. Me as well. Um, this film is about mourning and death. How someone copes with mourning. Yeah, loss, fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I said earlier, the tall man can represent death. That's what he, he essentially, he's the undertaker. He's coming for you. He's mm-hmm. going to fucking not save your ungrateful soul. He's going to fucking shrink you down into a dwarf and <laughs> make you toil. You come to us. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think using dreams and surrealism are vital to phantasm. Absolutely. It's like a, um, a mixture of, it, it's like a bizarre, it's just, it, it, it blurs the line between like being, I don't know, awake and aware dreaming how how when you're lost in that state of grief how like life can feel like that right it blurs every line that it touches and i think i think with the budget that it had it's very impressive yeah dude i mean and and the amateur right everyone being an amateur working on the film right um yeah i i would say and my, my issues with it or pacing issues Whenever it's the same with Madman, it was the same thing. It's mm-hmm. certain scenes where they're just taking too goddamn long doing something. There's that, and there, the fact that there's not enough explanation or not enough story, it's not really an issue because of the type of film that it is. But I'm not gonna lie, if this was a standalone, I would be, I would be kind of like, fuck, man, what the hell? Yeah, I, I do, I do like knowing a bit more. I'm cool with ambiguity, but I'm glad there's sequels. Right. So I can check them out. And you can check them out with Joe Bob. And he didn't intend on there being at first. He was just going to leave it like that. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Um, myself, when I look at what it is, it's a very unique film. It blurs every line it touches. Is it a coming-of-age film? Is it about loss? Is it about fear? Coping with those things? Is it science fiction? Is it horror? You know, it's surrealist. It kind of just keeps you guessing, and then you still don't know anything, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what What's up with the tall man, though? Because I know you love him like you love Art the Clown. Um, so I'm just going to put this out there. I have a top five horror film list. I'm not sure where Phantasm is on that top five, but it's on there. Damn. Um, and the tall man is one of my favorite horror icons, probably in the top three, um, for what it is, because this movie is not perfect. It's not as good a film as Alien, let's say, but because of the circumstances surrounding it, when it was made, who made it, who worked on it, I think it's a masterpiece in its own right, and I give it a 10 out of 10. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. You know, I can look past the fact that Reggie didn't know how to die. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
it's fine. This so, I think this movie deserves every this, every yeah, inch, <laughs> every inch of my love, bro. I I can watch this anytime. Hmm. I I I don't have an issue with the pacing. Um, hmm. it all just works for me. So um, I love the ambiguity. I love the tall man. I love the character of Mike. He's such a badass kid. I love Reggie because he's hilarious and he's awesome. And there's just so many scenes in this film that I'm like, holy shit, that's one of my favorite moments in cinema. Damn, man. Yeah. I mean, dude, the first dream sequence, Mm -hmm. the ending with the mirror, boy. The boy line is the best. Dude, all of that. (laughs) Like, that's like, I just, I can't suck this movie off enough. I just, (laughs) I, I love it. I love it. And like I said, I, I know Alien is a better film. I know The Thing is a better film. But I hold this right up there with them in my top five. Yeah, man. You're not alone. It's got a cult following. And to say I don't like any of the characters I do, despite their, you know, again, lack of... But you take the context of the film, the circumstances. Right. And even on its own, though, I mean... It's I, still I, a kick-ass movie. Yeah, the first time I watched it, I didn't know all that background, and I still enjoyed it a lot. Right. This is probably my f- fourth time watching it. Um, I'm going to give it a, uh, a lot of love, 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, Imagery. Fair. The imagery is the biggest thing Hell in, yes. in and the, the film. And I forgot to mention the, the score. The imagery right. and the score, yeah. Dude, I could... I, I've got to get this this fucking uh, soundtrack because I love the yeah. fucking score. So great. So what you think there, Chicken Nugget Marshall? Chicken mm. Nugget Marshall. Marsh um, Potato Jarmarshall. Soul as, food. Freezer soul food. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. As much as I like the um, the score, I'm not the biggest fan of the movie. It's just not my thing. Um, yeah, be true, man. Yeah, be true. I thought that mystery was going to get you going, but, you know. Oh, no. I mean, I, mystery. I liked it. There was so much mystery. There's so much mystery. I liked it, and there were some parts that really made me laugh, and some parts that were a little <laughs> over the top. That Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, um, I give it a 6 out of 10. That's decent. It's I mean, fair, yeah. I still, I like it. It's just, it doesn't really... That's um, rock solid. Yeah, that's yeah. rock solid. Rock lobster. Rock lobster. You had were an, at the beach. You had an issue with the pacing, though. Oh, yeah. Same as me. Um, I, 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 just, for whatever reason, it works for me, I struggled man. through it. It's just, it was a really slow movie, and... Yeah. And I'm sitting here saying I could take the three-hour version. And, like, a <laughs> subtle, like, just inching its way in... Every fucking inch. movie. <laughs> but the That's score, the way it gets every inch of my love, too. The, the very opening... Put like, every inch in. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the very opening part of it, I knew the score was going to be good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I enjoyed the score the most. And, and I mean, uh, the tall man's really cool. Hell yeah. And he's so, only got, like, what, four lines? Pretty much. He and barely it's, speaks. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> I love when he puts his hand on his shoulder. He goes, "Yeah, he yeah. fucking grabs the shit out of him." And he, <laughs> he says, "He says that line with like almost hatred." Yeah, he fucking hates people. I but love him so much. I, I, I do want to mention this. Um, I think this is like Madman, another movie that is in dire need, perhaps, of a remake, a reboot, 
Um, and I think I think Clancy Brown from the Mortuary Collection, <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. I think he would be the perfect. What's the word? Not predecessor. Replacement. No. Substitute. Alternative. Mm. I think he'd be the one to play the tall man in a film directed by someone who knows surrealism very well, Darren Aronofsky. Okay. Let's fucking let's do this shit, man. Let's get it going. I'll say I think he would do it justice, um, but he's still based on his character in Mortuary Chronicles. He's still the great value tall man to me. God damn it. <laughs> it would be different. He could speak, man. He would be he'd be talking all over. He's a great thing. orator for sure. Yeah. Orator. Orator. orator I don't know. Orator. So that's I took I took the C out of corridor. <laughs> orator. Orator. Hodor. That's Hold the uh, door. Travis Maxwell Boone coming in with an eight point five out of ten. Orange Bedarge came in uh, with a 6 out of 10. And Jaboyka Boy, Ricky calls it a masterpiece. 10 out of fucking 10. That's Phantasm from 1979. Play us out, Angus. <laughs>
passion of the Christ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you can see we're kind of, you know, switching things up a little bit. And um, everyone's had to deal with a bunch of bullshit this year. So if you've been listening and you've been enjoying the show, thanks for, you know, the downloads. Go ahead and send in some emails. Some emails? We, we you know, we'd like some emails if you can send yeah. them in. Yeah, send us some emails. You guys should totally come up with your own genre blender movies and just send us those ideas. That would be, be fucking fun. awesome. Yeah. yeah. How about that? New Year's resolution for all the listeners out there. Send in a genre blender movie. And then we can rate them. Yeah, we'll fucking yeah. We'll rate them instead <laughs> of you giving the Joe Bob rating. We'll rate your shit. We can rate We can rate. And whichever and one wins gets a movie poster. <laughs> They get a movie poster? Yeah, whoever we're, wins. We're going to give some shit away? Yeah, we're going to make a movie poster. Oh, all right. Well, listen. Custom-made movie poster. I don't know, man. Fucking paid shipping and handling anywhere in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Embrace the funeral, sir. Boy! <laughs> stay cold, boy. And stay spooky, boy. <laughs> I don't like it. Don't like it? Uh-uh. Don't want it. Don't want it. I think you should just get it, the, the clip of him saying boy and do it boy, 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 and just let it go out. <laughs> 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 boy, 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 Probably do that. I almost spit. I almost spit ginger all over the laptop. <laughs> Embrace the post production. <laughs> Embrace the post production. Nice. <laughs> oh shit, Angel! Look, it's the fucking tall man behind you. I've been waiting for you. No, not today. No, I'm too pretty to be a dwarf. Mm. I don't want to go to the funeral. Don't shrink me down, boss. Don't shrink me down. <laughs> Don't shrink me down, cuz. Don't. <laughs> Don't shrink me down, cuz. Come on, cuz. Come on, cuz. Come on, talk, cuz. <laughs>